everyone, welcome to another episode of the Daily Wisdom Words Podcast, where each week we talk to folks who have stories, advice, and life facts, all of which take you one step closer to that feeling of hope. I'm your co-host, Neil Trevetti. And I'm your co-host, Rini O'Day. And today we have the pleasure of being joined by one of the most recognized authorities on covert emotional incest. We have Adina Banklees. Hi, Adina. Welcome to our show. Hi, Adina. Hi, Rini. Well, yeah. it's such Thanks, a pleasure everybody. to have you on. Same it really pleasure is. Pleasure to be and, with you. You know, uh, usually we, we list off our guests' accomplishments and their background and all that. But when we're looking into yours, you have so many. So can you tell a little bit about the audience, about your distinctions and what you studied over the years and how you came to do what you do today? Absolutely. So... Again, I always say my name again. I was taught by my dad that you always introduce yourself before you start anything. So my name is Adina Banklees. Uh, I am a licensed clinical social worker here in the state of Arizona. I'm also a licensed substance abuse counselor here. I have a board certification from the American Academy of Experts in Traumatic Stress for working with traumatic stress. I'm also a fellow of that organization. Uh, and I have a certification in a modality of therapy that I've studied since 1989 called psychodrama. And that is the main modality that I utilize now in helping people. I have a, I'm very eclectic and I use a lot and I've combined many. I have a model that is in the process of being registered, trademarked right now, uh, called ABL, trauma-responsive psychodrama. Because oh, I, wow. my model goes way beyond just trauma-informed care. That's like the big thing now, mm -hmm. uh, trauma, being trauma-informed mm -hmm. for. And mm -hmm. so trauma-responsive mm -hmm. means we go beyond just being informed. We are with the person really uh, responding to what their needs are and really being and keen on checking in with what their needs are. Yes. And... And what, what are you um, concentrating most on with well, your right, clients? With my, so my specialty areas, Rini, uh, are childhood sexual abuse, covert emotional incest yes. in particular, mm -hmm. and addictions. That's mm -hmm. my background. That's what I've studied. That's what I started training in 33 years ago. And right. right now, you don't, you look 33. How is that? Possible? <laughs> Thank you. The, the screen <laughs> does do. a very good job. The screen does a very good job. Yes, it I need to automatically. So, yeah. kudos to you because I can't even imagine doing it myself. But, like, to have people like you helping others, bravo. Thank you. I'm very clear and I got real clear that this is my, my purpose here on earth at this time around, if there is a this time around, mm -hmm. is to be mm -hmm. of service. And how can I be of service? And I happen to, it just fit for me to be able to do psychotherapy. And then when I found psychodrama in 1988, I said, this, this is me. This is how I can give my gift and how I can be of service to people. Can you explain people. what psychodrama is? Absolutely. So psychodrama, psyche is soul, drama equals mm -hmm. action. So it's the stories oh. of the soul in action. So psychodrama oh, is a, wow. an experiential modality that's used for psychotherapy, for education, 
for training. They use it to train FBI and CIA agents. They use it for medical training. And it's, and it's again, it's worldwide. And it's more popular and mm -hmm. utilized in other areas of the world than even it is in the United States, which is really interesting. And it was founded, mm -hmm. I'll say just this, it was founded by Jacob, Dr. Jacob Moreno, who was a neurologist and psychiatrist in Vienna in the early 1900s. And wow. what he did was he was in the Freud era where people lied on the couch and just talked. Mm -hmm. And the therapist was a blank slate and just sat with a, right, a mm -hmm. pen and a pad. And he said, this is BS. You know, this is total mm -hmm. BS. This does not work. And he was watching children play in the parks in Vienna. And he said, that's what my patients need. They're so stuck. They have very rigid thinking. They're stuck in old behaviors. They need to play like children play. The spontaneity mm -hmm. and the creativity of children is what is lost when there's mental illness. And so, mm -hmm. and, and we would call it today traumatic stress. They didn't call it that then. But that's how traumatic mm -hmm. stress impacts us. So his model is based all on encouraging, enhancing spontaneity and creativity. And that's why it's just so beautiful. People think about it. I mean, this is mainly the work I'm doing now, doing in residential drug and alcohol trauma treatment centers here in Tucson. I'm running, running psychodrama groups. And people come in, we talked about misconceptions of CEI. People have many misconceptions of psychodrama because they hear it and they go, psychodrama i have enough psychodrama in my own life right psychodrama like i have enough sure. of that. so they get scared yeah. i have to act you're going to make me role play you're going to make and abl trauma responsive psychodrama is not making anyone do anything it's about choice it's not about role playing necessarily mm -hmm. we do that in psychodrama we practice new behavior that is what it is mm -hmm. so right. just very wow. simply and uh it's people are blown away by something that is very simple yet very powerful. Because when we go out of our intellect, our prefrontal cortex, our thinking, and we get mm -hmm. into our bodies, which psychodrama is a somatic mm -hmm. modality, and we get into exactly. the limbic system and the brain stem, which don't mm -hmm. have any words, mm. we, are, we are doing a, a level of healing that we can't do if we just stay here. Neil and Rini, we know now through the, the explosion of brain research in the 90s, it was, they called it the decade of the brain between 1990 mm -hmm. and 2000, that trauma is processed and stored in the levels of the brain that don't have words. And so if we do not access those, we do not do trauma work like you, we don't. So you can alleviate symptoms but you don't do the mm -hmm. healing and the reprocessing that needs to happen. So there are many modalities that have come out from the late 80s, 90s, because of the brain research that, uh, that all look at that and attack that and help to calm the nervous system so that people can do what they need to do in their lives. Yeah. That is it's fascinating. Like, it's, yeah, it's like you don't want to be putting a Band-Aid on, right? It's basically, you, it's mm -hmm. putting a Band-Aid on would be covering up something, but not really looking at, mm -hmm. okay, but why do I have this wound in the first place? What happened? And that's what mm -hmm. it is, like getting to the root cause of, of the whatever is triggering you. Exactly. What do, I, right. what do I always say, Neil? What do I always say? Everybody needs therapy. 
Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we, we all, all, you know, yeah. at some point, but right? At parents, some point for some yeah. time of our lives. And right? I guess yeah. to give a little, just a brief context to our audience is some of the things when we were discussing the direction of what to talk about in this episode, you and I, we, we talked over email. And one thing I found fascinating was the, the lack of information statistically available on what you, one of your main focus covert emotional incest and that just shocked me so yeah let's get into that first can you explain exactly what that is absolutely um so i'm gonna as i said to you earlier i'm gonna read from my book covert emotional incest the definition and i want to stop and explain mm -hmm. some things as we're going on okay please, All please. Right. so please. CEI, just for purposes, right, um, abbreviated, mm -hmm. is an elusive, mm -hmm. emotional form of sexual abuse that occurs in the family system without there necessarily being direct genital contact. So mm -hmm. with talking about sexual abuse, we have to say, well, when people think about that, what is that? So when we talk about sexual abuse, we usually think about physical sexual abuse where a young child, assault would be more of an adult, right? But if we talk about sexual mm -hmm. abuse, a young child who is touched physically, their body is violated by touch with either, you know, by objects, human being, uh, hands, whatever. Mm -hmm. That's what we think of. So yes. this is an emotional form and it goes to your question neil about why is why aren't there stats why isn't this more talked about why isn't this more validated i would say validated in the mental health community and it's not because of the fact that it is elusive that um, most people don't know that it even exists we think about it in these kinds of ways and that's that's why i do what i do we think about it as wow, he's a little boy, but he stepped up when his dad died. He's now the man of the house and he's taking care of his mom and his sisters. Be proud of him. So there's a cultural societal view of that that really elevates it and how great it is. And yet what happens to that boy and where's his childhood? And what does taking mm -hmm. care of his mother mean? Mm -hmm. His job is not to take mm -hmm. care of his mother's emotional needs. His job is not to take care of his younger siblings. His job is to be a kid. And his, the adult's job is to take care of their emotional needs with other adults, professionals, mm -hmm. et cetera. Correct? Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. And so yes. be, because, because of that, there's, uh, there's a denial. There's a justifying. And so people don't see it. And they don't, they, right? So they, mm -hmm. they don't think there's anything wrong with it. And that's yeah. how a lot, of the mm -hmm. a lot of the patients come, if I, or clients come thinking, what are you talking about? What, you know, there's nothing wrong here. Or it's codependency. We've heard that word for years. So, mm -hmm. you know, I'm code my mother's codependent on me. So she tells mm -hmm. me a lot of things and she relies on me. And what I would be mm -hmm. asking in an interview are the kinds of things that are being told and the kind of relying that happens mm -hmm. because in covert emotional incest, the child is used as a surrogate or substitute spouse 
for one or oh both of the parents. So I usually oh. give the example, you know, from my own life, which is what brought me to be to do this. When you asked, you know, what got mm-hmm. you into this? Well, I was a therapist since I was three. Uh, and I'm, I'm like kidding and not kidding. Yeah. And I no, was, yeah. my job in my role in the, one of my roles in the family was to be the confidant and substitute spouse for my mom and my dad. So what wow. that means is I was told things like, I was told personal intimate things about their relationship and complaints about the other. And I was told, you know what? I can always, I, I feel so much better when I talk to you. You listen in a way your mom, your dad doesn't listen. These are classic pieces of covert emotional incest. And some people can say, well, that's called parentification because there's a term in family therapy called parentification. A child is Mm -hmm. elevated, made a parent kind of figure. And we know it happens a lot in very large families. It happens in addicted family systems. It happens when, when a parent dies, what we were talking about before. So what's the difference between parentification and CEI? And what I would say to that is that there's the sexual energy that goes with that role that the child picks up on that child doesn't know how to make sense of, but picks up on it and then has that impacts the way that they do relationships, see their life, their world, et cetera. And so, for example, when I was in my late teens and my dad and I were out for you know, lunch or dinner or something together, and people would come up to the table and they would say, oh, is it, you know, the waitress, is this your wife? And we would laugh and we thought that was so funny and was so cute. You know, I looked older. But, and really what people were picking up on was the energy between my dad and I that was more like lovers than it was like father and daughter. I don't know how to explain it more than that. But people, when I talk about it, they go, oh my goodness, I get you. That's what, oh, that's what happened. That's what I was feeling. I always felt like I was having an affair with my father or my mother, because it doesn't matter about gender, okay? And the other piece, and I've talked about this a lot, with some of the, the way parents are raising kids today, um, and I'm not being mm-hmm. judgmental, I'm po- trying to point things out. Moms want to mm-hmm. be best friends, BFFs with their daughters. And they mm-hmm. dress alike and they go to parties and, you know, the, the, no, mm-hmm. no, 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 no. <laughs> um, I, we need to stay in the adult role, the parent role, which is, you know, a one up. It's kind of, there's a power differential. I make the decisions. You're yeah. still the child, right? You have a voice in the family. Absolutely. We want to hear you. I still, we still make the, just the main decisions in the family. And it's, that's getting mm-hmm. skewed a lot and role confusion can happen. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, what, what's, what's going on here? So I'll stop there. Um, there's more to say, but I just wanted to see if either of you had comments or what you, how you wanted to well, respond to Well, did you feel that. shame? Did you feel shame at all? You know, not I, knowing what. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Did I feel shame about about like when the waitress would ask, "Oh, are you, uh, you know, um, 
you know, husband and wife later was, did you kind of feel like, you know, that's kind of right, wrong? Well, I felt it in the moment, but the defense was to laugh, but the pit of my mm -hmm. stomach went, ugh, you know? Okay, like, so ugh. it was there, but you didn't know yes. at that time. Exa exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I had no words yeah. for it. I had yeah. no concept for it, Rini. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And I remember saying yeah. to my therapist who gave me this term back when I was in my mid-20s, mm -hmm. when I talked about it, I said, I feel like I've been having an affair with my dad. But there's not, he never mm -hmm. touched me. Like, you know, there was never, mm -hmm. there was never sexual abuse. So how could I mm -hmm. feel like that and have all the signs and symptoms of someone who'd been sexually abused when it never happened to me? And when we, mm -hmm. when she found out mm -hmm. about my, the dynamics in my family, she goes, okay, so have you ever heard the term? This is what's going on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. You mentioned, wow. like, and this is something interesting, you mentioned the, the one problem that you see with today's parenting, and of course, the other extreme where, which you just talked about, your experience and so many others, right? So where is that healthy balance of, you know, parenting and children, like, where does that, what, what should you do as a parent or not do in those, if there are things that parents should like, okay, is, is there a definitive list of things or does it matter from home to home or environment to environment? What, what is well, the way that process that would be ideal to avoid that, but also avoid the other extreme that you talked about just a second ago, about that modern of somebody's got to set the rules, no matter how healthy the relationship is, right, between a child and a parent. What's the guidelines, kind of general guidelines, Neil, would be for parents to get, absolutely, get guidance, go to professionals for guidance about how do I best parent this infant, this toddler, this, okay? Mm -hmm. And there are, um, there are two people that I want to just recommend right off the bat. If your listeners are readers, it's audiobook, it's, you know, regular book, whatever. Mm -hmm. And one mm -hmm. is da Dr. Daniel J. Siegel. And Dr. Jan okay. Daniel J. Siegel writes a lot. He's the developer of what's called interpersonal neurobiology. And he writes okay. with authors about parenting and how our, as the adults, our unresolved trauma impacts our parenting and then can pass down fears, et cetera, to our children mm -hmm. and how to avoid that. And the main piece is do your own work, get in your own therapy mm -hmm. and do your own work. So for example, mm -hmm. There was, there was a client that I was working with this past week who said, I came into residential treatment because my son, and I remember the age, I think it was five or six, my son is now at the age I was when I had been abused. Now, she had some pretty significant physical sexual abuse. And she mm -hmm. said, and all my feelings and all my memories are starting to come up. And I just, I don't want to do that. You know, I don't, not that she would abuse him, but I don't want to be not present. I don't want to have all this coming up and try to be a parent. So she knew she needed help. And that is very common. Mm -hmm. It happened for me when my son reached nine, there was stuff that came up mm -hmm. for me I did not expect. And my yeah. son even said to me, mm -hmm. mom, as I was reacting to something that was happening at school. And he said, mm. mom, I'm not you. I don't feel that way. And I went, mm. oh, okay. Wow. Like, 
you know, I need to, so of mm -hmm. course I went to my therapist and I talked about that and got that awareness. Mm -hmm. uh, so mm -hmm. that's, so one thing is to be open to get guidelines. Another, another author, and this book just recently came out in the last year or so. I love it. And it is called What Happened to You? And it's a conversation between Oprah Winfrey and Dr. Bruce Perry, who's one of my heroes. Dr. Bruce Perry oh, wow. is a neuroscientist okay. and child psychiatrist. And they've been oh. working together for 30 plus years. And it's the conversation mm -hmm. about what happens in the developing brain in utero mm -hmm. with a mom's stress levels, et cetera. How is the brain impacted? Zero to four, zero to two really is like the mainstay of when brains develop for healthy attachment, mm -hmm. being able to trust the mm -hmm. world. Is the world a safe enough place? Will my needs get mm -hmm. met? And so mm -hmm. if I'm a parent who is shut down, if I, uh, if I haven't done my own work and I, I'm too anxious or I'm depressed, I am not going to be able to mm -hmm. bond with that baby and meet their needs in a way that they can feel like there's a safe enough world and that brain can develop mm -hmm. appropriately. I know for mm -hmm. me, I slept on the floor in my son's room for a long time. And I thought, is this ever going to mm -hmm. change? But he but, needed mm -hmm. me to be there with his stuffed animals all over mm -hmm. his bed to feel safe. And he needed me. And this is what, what we're getting is the kids need us as the adults to help them learn how to calm themselves. Professional term is regulate your nervous system. So calm yourself mm -hmm. so you're not, too, you're not too anxious or you're not too depressed. <sighs> you know, I can think and feel at the same time. That's how I describe that. And so when, mm -hmm. I, was in Ian's, when I was in my son's room, he was able to fall asleep within yeah. minutes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So he was, right. he felt, okay, yeah. he was calm. He could go to sleep. Fine. Mm -hmm. Like, yep. what is that skin mm -hmm. off my back? No, that's my job. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if I can regulate yeah. me, and I remember this, uh, he was, I don't know, one and a half or two, and I was crying about something. And he came over, as little kids do, he came over and gave me a hug, you know. And, mm -hmm. you know, your heart just melts when that happens. And I said, mm -hmm. honey, thank you so much. I said, mommy is sad. So I named the feeling. Mm -hmm. Mommy is sad. She's crying. And you are not responsible for my feelings. I am. I'm wow. taking care of mm -hmm. it. And thank you for the hug. I love you. Now, at a year and oh, a half, oh. you would say, mm -hmm. he doesn't understand what you're saying. Probably not. But the energy I gave and the words Your continued energy. as he got older was, I can take care of my feelings. Mm -hmm. I name the feelings so he has a feelings language. And you talk about what are the mm -hmm. instructions, feelings, language, yes, boundaries, mm -hmm. like, mm -hmm. uh, it's my body. So, oh, go mm -hmm. give Aunt, you know, Aunt Jan a hug. Well, I don't want to give her, no, go over and give her a hug. No, it's my, a little one mm -hmm. at one and a half, my son was able to say to my mom, no, nanny, it's my body. Oh, because fantastic. he didn't want to hug his grandmother. She was coming over to mm -hmm. him. He didn't want to in that moment, at that moment. Mm -hmm. And he wow. was able to mm -hmm. say no, because yeah. I told him, because it was okay to mm -hmm. say no, because right. I grew up, it wasn't mm -hmm. okay to say no. And I wanted that to exactly. be different. 
right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So those are just exactly. highlights of things, you know, that kids have a say, they have a voice, they don't run the show, mm -hmm. they have a voice. They have a voice to be able to say no about their bodies anytime, any place, no is no. That we teach them a feelings language, that we take care of our own feelings. It's not their job to soothe us, it's our job to soothe them. We do make house rules. There are boundaries. Kids need that for safety. You don't have any limits or boundaries. Uh, they don't feel safe. And our job is to help them feel safe so that they can literally mm -hmm. imprint it into their brain, that they take us mm -hmm. and they take that safety with them so they can go to school. Otherwise, oh my God, that, that's too, I can't go. I have to be with mom. I have to be in the safe place. No, they have enough mm -hmm. inside of them that they can go, mm -hmm. which is mm -hmm. zero to four in utero to four. That's like the main, most important time. Mm -hmm. Well, I've already been, I've always been a proponent of teaching, starting in kindergarten, teaching children how to breathe, yep. how to, how to calm themselves. Well, that's what we're talking about, Rini, is how do the, it teaches them to regulate their nervous mm -hmm. system, that they have the skill, mm -hmm. which means, mm -hmm. which means I don't have to necessarily go out and use drugs and alcohol to medic, to regulate my mm -hmm. nervous system, because that's what mm -hmm. that does. I don't necessarily have to mm -hmm. abuse video games to regulate my nervous system. Anything that's outside, mm -hmm. food, exercise, I mean, because mm -hmm. we can be compulsive with any of this. Um, in my mm -hmm. own history, one of the pieces I used to regulate my system was, was restricting and, and starving myself. So we can go wow. from that end to binging, to binging and purging, to, you know, um, mm. overuse of drugs, alcohol, etc. Because that's what it's about. It's about trying to get into that zone that I feel okay. What are some of the most common symptoms you've seen, like from people who have experienced CEI? How has it come out? I know earlier you mentioned maybe it comes out in their own relationships and those don't go right. But what are some of the most common symptoms? Because so much, like you mentioned earlier, gets talked about with its sexual trauma and when there's physical sexual trauma, there's so much out there. Oh, anxiety and this caused this and this. But we don't again, we still don't know so much about CEI. So what are some of the long-term effects you've seen in people when they've been through that, especially in their adult years? That's a great question. So thank you for that question. I would say the mm -hmm. number one is I deny my needs. My focus is all on you and what you need. Mm -hmm. Because that was the role training was not, the focus was not on my needs as a kid. It was on me taking care of you. So the caretaker mm -hmm. role, the caretaking behavior is like numero uno. Um, and so I see a lot of, it's interesting, I see a lot of nurses, uh, mm -hmm. teachers, you know, professionals mm -hmm. in the roles of taking care of that have this mm -hmm. kind of history. So that was, that's mm -hmm. number one. And then um, a lot of very similar signs and symptoms to people who've been physically sexually abused. So there's hypersexuality, and there can mm -hmm. be that I sexualize intimacy, um, which mm -hmm. means you know, I don't know how to do the emotional form very well, but I make it sexual and physically sexual. And it could be all the mm -hmm. way again to the extreme because when we have trauma, we often go to extremes and that's what happens. We don't know the balance. 
And so we go from hypersexuality, maybe promiscuity, to what we mm -hmm. call sexual anorexia, which is the shutdown mm -hmm. of sexual feelings and behaviors. And mm -hmm. it's been very interesting now with uh, people who are identifying as asexual. I've gotten comments about this saying, you know, you're making, you're pathologizing it. I'm just claiming I'm asexual. That's part of my sexual identity. And so mm -hmm. I am not saying to anybody, I'm not telling anyone they have a trauma history. No, it's not my job. Okay. What I'm saying mm -hmm. is that there are, there, that can be the people I've worked with clinically mm -hmm. who have shut down sexually. It most of the time has related to CEI, physical sexual abuse, uh, seeing domestic violence used in the home, you know, that people have seen their mothers raped. I mean, it happens. And so mm -hmm. why would their system want to go anywhere near there? Mm -hmm. yeah. And how vulnerable do you need to be? Uh, you know, when you're sexual, hopefully we are very vulnerable. When people are using drugs mm -hmm. and alcohol, you're in an altered state. But when you talk about mm -hmm. having sex sober, it's quite a different experience. And when you talk mm -hmm. about having open-eyed sex, you're talking about an even more intimate experience. And so it can be so scary that people just shut down and avoid. So it's an avoidant technique. So CEI, mm -hmm. again, getting back to your question, Neil. So caretaker role, mediator, mediator, being a mediator, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. big time, because that's what we were taught. And then yep. having yeah. these issues around sexuality and around mm -hmm. sexual boundaries. Mm -hmm. Now we get depression, we get depression, we get anxiety, we get PTSD symptoms, even though there hasn't been physical sexual abuse. But it's also mm -hmm. CEI can set people up to be sexually abused, assaulted, because they're not sure of what the boundaries are. Like, mm -hmm. how can I say this? All right, so I'll just give, I'll give you another example from my own life. Um, so at 10, um, I was hanging out with one of my brother's friends who was 16. What the hell am I doing with a 16-year-old? And what is he doing with a 10-year-old girl, right? right? So because mm -hmm. I'm more mature. When you're, when you're a victim of CEI, mm -hmm. you're, oh, you're so mature for your age. You can handle so much. So you believe it. And, and you say, and I said, I'm special. I always was told that. Well, yeah, I'm special. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I can handle this 16 year old. This is who I should be hanging out with. And then there were things that happened mm -hmm. that I felt very special because it was, I was told I was special. Uh, and mm -hmm. some stuff that happened sexually that felt good and it felt yucky mm -hmm. at the same time. And I was scared mm. at the same time. And I felt shame, at the, embarrassed at the same time. I had no words for it. I didn't know what to do. I froze. But I thought that was supposed to be. Like, I didn't know any different. And I, and I continued to go back um, because I thought that that was what was supposed to happen. And there was a special feeling that I got from it, mm. which is not appropriate, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Right. But that, and I, I, had, I had to do a lot of work to kind of undo that piece. Yeah. So that's well, another thing. With the, with, uh, you know, with the boy, um, you know, it doesn't it like, it, like if something happened to him, right? It had to. Doesn't that's the story I make abuse, up. Doesn't sexual abuse, you know, like 
grandfather, father, you know, son or whatever. It's, 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 it's pretty yes, much. It, yeah. It can be in multi-generational Rini. What I, what mm -hmm. I don't want the message to be is if you've been sexually abused, you're going to sexually abuse somebody because that's oh, not yeah. true. No. Um, yeah. no. The stats yeah. on that, Neil likes stats, right? So stats on that are about 26% <laughs> of people who've been physically sexually abused because that's who they have the stats mm -hmm. for. And the reason, and, and thank you for saying this because it gets me, Child Protective Services is where you get most of the statistics from child abuse the reported cases to child state child protective service agencies. If you reported CEI to a child protective service agency, they would laugh at you. Okay. Yeah. And yeah, really, we have no evidence. Well, we cause like, no I mean, if you anything. call up, if a kid calls up a cop and says, I feel this and they'll mm -hmm. be like, okay, where did this person touch you? Well, they didn't touch me. Well, then what's wrong? Well, I'm feeling this way. And they'll be like, what? Well, so what? Who cares? And poof. Right. Yeah. Or, or I can't do anything about it. There's no evidence. I mean, if you say somebody's threatened to kill mm -hmm. me, we can't do anything until they've done something. They can't kill you. Yeah. So they kill you. Then right? it's too late. So, we, mm -hmm. so that's one of the big reasons. Also, we'll go back to the first question. Why isn't there research? Because we can't, we don't have reported cases to CPS. And what we know is that physical sexual abuse is so underreported that our statistics are one in four girls before she's 18 and one in five boys before he's 18. And that's based on, based on reported cases. Reported, exactly, that's the key word How there. many cases go unreported? So those numbers are higher. Oh, you know, so, so we're, yeah, we're, yeah. So it's roof. very prevalent, it's very prevalent. And uh, Rini, going back to yeah. what you said about this, this 16 year old, I make up the story that whatever was going on, whether he was physically sexually abused or not, or I don't know. I make up a story, it's possible, mm -hmm. because you're right, it does mm -hmm. go generation to generation. It can. Mm -hmm. That's why I was so dedicated to stop the cycle with me. Mm -hmm. uh, and also mm -hmm. what we know, unfortunately, um, males in our Western society uh, here and many other societies, men have mm -hmm. the power. Mm, yeah, men are taught they I have mean, the power. Men are taught that women mm -hmm. are their are their objects and their possessions, and that they can do mm -hmm. what they want to them. The issue is the age. So, mm -hmm. if you have again a sixteen-year-old, what is the sixteen-year-old doing with a ten-year-old? We're talking about a prepubescent child. Mm -hmm. So then we can mm -hmm. start talking about was this was this guy a pedophile? Pedophile is. I get sexually mm. turned on gratification from a prepubescent mm -hmm. child. That is my, mm -hmm. I hate to say it, like my sexual orientation. You know, mm -hmm. that, that's, Gosh, where my sexual, that's where my sexual arousal comes mm -hmm. from. Some, it's, mm -hmm. you know, we call it pederasty if it's adolescence. And so mm -hmm. right now we don't have a way to change that, to fix mm -hmm. that. Uh, mm -hmm. And so the only thing that we do with people who are pedophiles is we put them in jail and mm -hmm. we have behavioral treatment for them, which is we know those are your impulses. You, you learn ways mm -hmm. to not act out and act on them. But we don't have a way mm -hmm. to get into their brain right now and change that mm -hmm. to be sexually aroused mm -hmm. to adults. Does this make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Well, no, it's like it's they might stop because of the therapy and the rehab. They might stop like, okay, I'm not supposed to touch a minor or go after a minor because that's the law, but it doesn't change the way they feel. Right, that's what you're getting at. Mm -hmm. It may not, rather, it may not mm -hmm. change. They may still be attracted, which is what we're yes. not, again, yes. going back to the root cause of, well, why are you attracted in the first place though? What is making you, right? Mm -hmm. So that's what it goes by. It's you, there's a difference between not doing something because if I do, I'll get in trouble again, versus why do I want to do this in the first place, right? Yeah, yes. we need and to fix their brain. Right, and I wish that we knew how to do that. We still don't. Uh, and you could say, you know, how many of these people did sexual abuse make them a pedophile? There's something biological that we, we know is happening, and there's a lot of research going on to try to find out about what that is because mm -hmm. of the detriment to society, because of, mm -hmm. you know, we don't want people hurting kids, mm -hmm. and we don't, mm -hmm. want the, we don't want the prison system, you know. The, so there is research going on, but right now, no, we do not have a way. Just like we don't have a way, if someone doesn't have a conscience, Mm -hmm. um, we would call them uh, antisocial or we'd call them a psychopath. You know, they don't have a conscience, mm -hmm. which means they don't have guilt about what they do wrong. Empathy. Yeah. They don't empathy. have, can't empathize. Yeah. We don't have a way to put mm -hmm. a conscience into someone at this point. If we did, that'd be great. Yeah. There's empathy mm -hmm. training and um, we do that in psychodrama mm -hmm. in certain ways. But if you don't mm -hmm. have it right now, you don't have it. Uh,